Hello and welcome to the Startups Roundtable. I'd like to start with an acknowledgement of country. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet. Here in Sydney, it's the Gadigal people. We pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. Hi, Tony Hackett is my name and welcome to the Startups Roundtable. In this episode, I am joined by Sushant Shikhar, who is the founder and CEO of Mails.WTF, who takes me inside their full-stack cold sales outreach platform. Specifically, he explains the process, research, and roadmap decisions behind their solutions, including LinkedIn automation, email leads, and automated cold email sequences. As all sellers are working overtime to generate new pipeline, it was great to get this fresh perspective from Sushant. So let's hear from him now. Thanks for having me again, Tony. Uh, I'm Sushant, founder of Mails.WTF. I was just two years back, I was in my college and I started a startup out of my college itself. And it was basically a chatbot system for interviewing candidates. So basically it was automating interviews using chatbots and AI. And uh, I got this idea when I saw that, especially in India, where so many people are all the time applying for jobs. It's a really hard time for HRs and recruiters to source through them and get to the right person. And there's a lot of mismatch and that was a trigger over there. So I started with that. And within one year of our operations, I think we were acquired by another company, which was actually looking to create a, a job board for blue collared services. And from there, I joined them as a co-founder, as a CTO, and we were also acquired. So that was an amazing journey. We raised a ton of money. We burned a ton of money in all kinds of experiments and marketing ta- marketing tactics. And after that, after recently exiting from that startup, like a year back, I'm currently working on Mails.WTF, which is a cold email outreach platform for sales teams. So basically uh, what we're doing currently is this is a SaaS tool and this is uh, coming from my need from my previous two startups where we needed to uh, reach out to HRs and recruiters and CEOs to use our tools and uh, services. Outreach and cold emails are a big part. We are sending cold emails every day to CEOs uh, for business development for sales. So what I figured was now the market is a bit broken. Like you use different tools, especially sales teams. They use a CRM. They use an email finding or, you know, prospecting tool. They go on LinkedIn to find someone there. And then they have another tool that helps them uh, sending emails. And then obviously another tool that helps them book uh, meetings. And then obviously they go on Zoom or something for the call or the demo. So in that context, I thought that one salesperson uses a lot of tools and uh, that it shouldn't be that hard. So our aim was to compile all of these things in one place with Mailstar.WTF, which uh, I'm working on now as a founder and CEO. Yeah, it's very interesting. When I saw what you're doing, I I found it interesting and that's why I reached out to you. And since we first uh, communicated by email, LinkedIn has just in the last week let 1,000 of their staff go because of the slowdown in the use of the LinkedIn platform for the recruiting and the hiring. I wonder if you would see that as essentially a, a public message that that is what they are, but it also opens up the opportunity for what you're doing with mails.wtf as that that sustainable programmatic email communication discovery tool to help sales teams connect with with potential buyers with prospects. 
Exactly. So the need for this is now more than ever. And especially for com- companies in India and maybe in UK, and we can actually go and mail people across border and there's no, uh, the, no one expects you to be uh, in, in their office anymore. So that's a blessing in disguise for us. A lot of sales teams are uh, sending emails to uh, different countries and so on. And this thing that people are actually leaving their job and going for new jobs or actually starting new things uh, is also great because that actually creates more businesses and more opportunities in the uh, ecosystem as a whole. It almost feels like every second conversation I'm in, I, I refer to Seth Godin, so the, the famous marketer. And Seth Godin talks about smallest viable audience. LinkedIn can be confused as almost standing in the main street and yelling and hoping somebody will hear. But if who it is you want to get to, what you're doing helps people get to that specific prospect, that specific future customer, and to create that communication channel. So when you looked at the marketplace, though, there are other ways of doing this. What did you think the gap was? What did you see as the gap in the marketplace that prompted you to start Mails.WTF and to to take this big challenge on? The main gap that I felt was that when I was trying to sell products for my previous startup, what I felt was that there are a lot of tools required for a simple sales cycle. So you start from prospecting, finding an email to sending an email, then booking a meeting on some link and then uh, coming to the call, showing the presentation. That's another tool again. So there are a lot of things used by the sales teams and anyone who is doing a sales pitch or a call right now. So the idea was if we can consolidate all of these in one platform. So the way I see it is uh, in the last 10 years was a great era for SaaS, but now SaaS would uh, be, uh, so SaaS needs to be all in one place. So teams can be more efficient in that way because nowadays uh, you can find almost for every task there is a SaaS online but the way to differentiate and actually become make teams more productive and save their time you need to have all in one place and so that's what we are striving for. Sushant when you look at the marketplace then how do you segment it and what part of the market do you think is your sweet spot for mails.wtf? So our best customers are basically the leads, lead and sales generation agencies, because they are actually going through a lot of tools all the time and they instantly see the value in it because they can see, okay, they can replace five tools with our one tool. So savings of uh, cost over there and then savings of time as well. So those are our perfect customers. I hadn't considered that. And that makes a lot of sense because one thing that stood out to me with what your tool does is it does a lot fast and it allows you to automate, not just discover and access, but to automate what would be time-consuming tasks. And I hadn't thought about the agency's perspective. I wonder though, with it all being remote now, with all sales teams being remote and not just the, the sales generation engines, whether this becomes a greater drive from sales managers and, and sales directors to try and drive that productivity, drive that prospecting productivity up using the online tools because the sales teams can't go out and have the incidental meetings with people anymore. Is that something that's on your mind as well? Absolutely. So the way we are tackling it is 
that we let people find a lot of leads. So uh, a lot of our competitor tools and a lot of other tools actually restrict on how many emails you can find or emails you can send. So we try not to restrict our customers on that so that they can actually go ahead and send as many cold emails as they want and get things straight. When you look for trends and I guess indicators to help you build out your strategy, what are some of the things that you're seeing now that guiding your thinking for future generations of what you're building? So one of the things that we are seeing in trends is that there's a buyer intent. Like when you find emails, again, there are a lot of prospecting tools, even Sales Navigator is a great prospecting tools. But what you do with Sales Navigator is that you just find who are the CEOs in uh, California. You can just find that. You don't know if they intend to buy your product or not. So I think one of the trends that we are seeing is reaching out to the target audience based on their intent. So the way it can be done, the way I see it is that let's say there's a website, let's say like Shopify, and we see that they have recently installed a specific SDK on Android or maybe a specific library on their website. And that when someone uses this, they usually need another thing. So that can prove that intent of them buying the add-on is more. So Shane, you you, uh, come across as somebody who looks for the data, and I think it's fantastic. How do you then build in intuition and and I guess that, that gut feel to help you make decisions? And and also part B to my question, this isn't your first startup. So how has that decision-making process and that, I guess, use of data and feel for intuition changed from when you started your first startup to how you make decisions now? So this is a great question. So when I started off uh, and I was still in college at that time, my way of starting was just starting without thinking anything. I didn't even do much market research for my first startup and I didn't have any processes, which I think is very important. I didn't know what was the market size. I didn't know what should be done, what should be the goals. And it was a completely bootstrap startup. So there was a lack of guidance over there as well as uh, there was no mentor to guide me at that particular time. So in that way, now what I do, now the way it has changed first, if I want to enter a new industry, like I subscribe to all the places that my customers might go to, like all the, like right now I'm in sales industry. So I'm subscribed to all the top sales uh, podcasts, sales blogs and so on. And also I'm on all the top sales communities to, you know, have a feel of what people are saying, what people are asking. So that's one of getting the, the market. The second thing, how the intuition and gut has changed, I think more than how it's changed, I see it, it as how I have developed processes for almost everything. So that might be idea generation, a new feature update of function for a complete uh, you know department. The way I think, the, the thing that I think would be very helpful for people, someone who is listening this, is that when you're starting something, just go and Google it. There's a process for everything. If you are uh, having, if you are creating a sales team, just go and how to create a sales process for a team. If you are creating a marketing team, just go and Google what should be the goals for a marketing team and you'll know, learn words like KPI and traffic and stuff. I think that's a wonderful answer. I absolutely agree with you. And I, I buy into that whole point about being able to develop a process and to work out what your own process can be, because that's how you can ultimately improve things. There's a wonderful phrase I saw in a book I was reading a little while ago that spoke about the only asset an organization has is its business processes, and that's where you can refine and improve. I also love the way that you go about doing the research and the places you go for your research. Could you maybe share the favorite places or the places you go to mostly to do that research around your area of deep knowledge? So 
I am uh, all the time on uh, my competitors' blogs. That one, that's one. And then Reddit communities are really great. Subreddits on Reddit, so like slash sales is amazing. People are always asking questions: how to change jobs, how to make their sale better. That's amazing. It's interesting. I I'm a, a fan of. Well, fans not the right word. Maybe a student of of sales processes. And when I have a look at the trend that has been around for maybe maybe the last decade, people talking about provocative selling. And it is really just another way of terming needing to understand your customer, which is what you're doing. And when I think about the steps that we need to go through, email is such a strong medium. It is such a strong medium. Could you also maybe speak to how you think about the use of other channels such as video and whether that's part of your thinking and part of where you see your evolution moving to? I don't think we'd be moving to video anytime soon. Because uh, already uh, like uh, Zoom and Google Meets and uh, everyone is doing a great job over there. And it doesn't seem that difficult, but the technologies that they use at the back end are really amazing. Like So to keep it fast, to keep it moving and to make you look better. So that's really amazing. So maybe we are not moving uh, in that direction as of now, but yeah. That's a strong answer too. Clearly focused where it is that you, you bring your value to and, and how you actually do that. When you build out your strategy, you talked about moving from being somewhat incidental, I suppose is the way you put it, at the start of your first startup to now being structured and processed. When you build out your plans, do you build it out to two years out, three years out? What's the horizon that you look to when you build out your strategic planning? So for the strategic planning, so before the strategic planning, I usually like to have a goal. So let's say a two-year goal. I don't have like more than two-year goals usually. There's a two-year goal and then there's a six-month goal. So there are four goals in the two years, like uh, micro goals, you can say. After achieving these four goals, we will get to, you know, those two goals that we have to do in the next two years. And then after that, uh, planning is usually done for six to eight months on my side. Because I think in startups, things are always moving and breaking and fixing. So it doesn't really, uh, it, it, it feels really amazing. Like if we have three good months of growth and creating a spreadsheet like, okay, if in two years we'll be here, we'll have a million dollars, but that's not really how it works. So it makes more sense to keep it short and realistic. That makes a lot of sense. Mind you, that spreadsheet would look fantastic and the graph would look sensational, I'm sure. When you have a look at the data and you have access to a lot of data as to how people are using your service, your, your SaaS offering, what are the, what maybe one or two surprises that you've seen in the data versus what you thought the behavior would be versus what it actually is? I think one of the behaviors that we are noticing is that people are not yet that habitual and for email and not that professional yet on email. And they are not that good at cold emails yet. So that in itself, I think, opens a huge market for us because everyone is using emails, but not everyone is that good at using cold emails yet. So if some company, maybe us, maybe some other startup can help them writing better cold emails and getting a ROI from that. So that is one thing that we have recently noticed from a lot of our campaigns that go through. That is interesting. Worked with a startup maybe a dozen years ago or so now, and the the company had the sales book was it was called Selling to Veto, and Veto is an acronym for Very Important Top Officer. It's kind of an interesting interesting book, as most of these books are. But Selling to Veto had a formula as to how you would actually construct a letter, 
And the whole idea of it is actually you would actually deliver an A4 page, not folded to an executive like it was. It was a very formulatic, but it was very smart the way it made you build out the communication. So I understand what you're saying. It's easy to write words, but how do you capture the imagination and the attention of an executive when we're looking at a mobile screen and they can probably see 20 words? They need to make a decision in those 20 words. If you've caught their attention with the, with the subject line, how do you do that? So that's a really interesting point. Do you have a point of view on what needs to be done by way of that formula, by way of that construction? Mostly the general advice, I'd say. So keep your subject line short when it comes to that, right? And keep it catchy. When it comes to body, I see a lot of people do this mistake that they write a paragraph. On the internet, we, and in general, we don't have that uh, good attention spam these days. And uh, no one is actually interested in reading a paragraph from a stranger. So it makes more sense to break out, you know, just like maybe 100 words or uh, 150 words, three, four lines, simple, without any links, maybe, right, in the body. And that should get the trick done because in, on the internet, as I was saying, people skim, they don't read. So write for skimmers, not for readers. That's a wonderful way of, of expressing it. Actually, it's a brilliant way of expressing it. And just as you were speaking, I was remembering the, the letters that I used to produce using this, this selling to veto formula. And a key part was that we had to have three bullet points that had numbers in them that actually expressed a way of in, increasing a growth, but not just saying increasing growth. It was expressed in a number that was meaningful to that executive in that industry. So it became very, very personalized. That uh, I think you've expressed that extremely well. You, you touched on mentors. You, you used that word a moment ago. Could I ask you to give your expression of mentors and coaches? So if somebody was listening to this, that you would be able to give some guidance or tips as to what you think is important when going and looking for mentors and coaches? So when it comes to mentors, firstly, as everyone says, they are very important. But I think there is more to that, which is try to find a mentor which is in your industry. That's one. Like maybe if you are a stu college student, a college professor can be a great mentor for you. But if you are someone like a billionaire, maybe you're Mark Zuckerberg, that won't work anymore. You need a better mentor, maybe someone who has started something else, right? So in that way, so the mentor should be in your industry. If you are switching industries, Try to change your mentor, someone who has experience in your industry so that they can actually guide you. Second thing is that don't get the wrong mentors. So a lot of times people actually get any, so people don't see the industry when they are starting a company. A lot of times they just see the word startups. So anyone who has started a startup or has started a company doesn't necessarily need to be your mentor and doesn't really qualify for that. It needs to be aligned with what you're trying to do. You can still be friends with them like people who have who are a startup founders, but... Yeah, that's well put. Speaking with a, another startup founder just in the last week, and I asked the same question. It's a question I ask every guest that I have because they each have a different view or experience, a subtle difference around it. And my paraphrasing of what this other person said was, you need to have somebody who still remembers the hardship, <laughs> that they're not, as you say, if they've... If they've made their millions and billions or whatever it might be, 
they will have forgotten the hardship. So they need to know that. But your point's very valid too about being in the industry because then they can make their advice or their guidance very contextual. When you look though, you can either look in your circle of friends or in your community, or you can start to look into startup accelerators. Is that something that you've had experience with? And if so, could you give some commentary around startup accelerators and what to look for and and some maybe plus and minuses of those? I think in general, if you start from a beginner's perspective, like you're just starting a startup, all almost all startup accelerators would look fascinating from the outside. And then even from the inside, they would look great and feel great because they will teach you the basics of entrepreneurship and stuff that you don't know. And it's very exciting stuff. But as if you take a rain check or have a broader perspective, so you'll see that most of the startup accelerators are not doing that great. Or maybe most are failing, right? At least most don't have unicorns coming out of them every five years even. So I think while applying to a startup accelerator or going to a startup accelerator, you should have done some research like why are they perfect for me? Do they have connections with people whom I might want to work with someday? Or do they have mentors on their accelerator uh, thing that have already worked in the sec industry that I'm working in? Or maybe you can also uh, mail some of the mentors and just ask for advice, like if you should join this accelerator or not. So I think they are absolutely useful, especially if you're a beginner, but it completely depends on, uh, so it's not a silver bullet. Like there's no surety that you will succeed because as if you just see from a broader perspective, most of the startup accelerators are not doing that great, but yeah, they can be really helpful for starting up. I think if I take a key message out of what you just said is that You've got to go and look for the best of advice in a whole lot of different places, whether it's about, if I was to think back what you said a few minutes ago, talking about going and researching your marketplace, understanding what the competitor is doing. That's as powerful as, as any mentor or coach is just understanding that, understanding the customer, looking for advice, somebody who does understand the grind and the, and the hardship so they can give real advice and to be selective about, about the accelerator programs. There'll be some that are perfect for startups and some that just don't fit. So you need to make that decision. You've given some very generous advice and some actionable advice and insight from your experiences on the podcast today. I just wanted to say thank you to you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me, Tony. It was great talking to you. That was a great mix of perspective and vision from Sashant, which I enjoyed, and I hope you did as well. But that's it for today. Thanks for listening, and bye for now.